The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. Uh, good, glad you're here. Let's open up our Bibles. If you brought your Bible with you, and I hope you did, Genesis chapter two is where we're going to be. If you're online with us, grab a Bible, or you can uh, right on the screen. There's a little button you can click uh, to the Bible part of that. Genesis two is where we're going to spend our time today. Uh, today, as we we are moving into week two of this sermon series, we're calling the disciplines. Okay, uh, this is the second week. We are focusing in on our second of six disciplines, and for me, this second discipline that we're going to talk about today uh, is one of the most formative disciplines that I have ever really practiced, uh, and it's also one of the most difficult disciplines to stick with. That's been my experience with this. The second discipline that we're digging into today is the discipline of Sabbath, okay? The Sabbath, uh, which is a foreign concept to most of us inside the church, let alone in the world. The idea of taking a Sabbath. I mean, literally, nobody is nailing this except for Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby, right? Like, that's about it. That's like, none of us are really doing as well as these two corporations. We live in a, de- in a world today where, uh, where we are chronically under-resting. We are chronically under-rested as a, uh, as a world. Uh, let me talk about some of the ramifications of this. I have a few of them. First, uh, we work too much. Frankly, we work too much as uh, specifically Americans, okay? Stats aren't everything, but let me just give you some stats um, uh, uh, in the world, there are 134 countries that have laws that set a maximum length of the work week. And the United States is not one of those 134 countries. There's no law prohibiting you working for, a, for, for more than a certain amount of hours, okay? In the U.S., 85.8% of males and 66.5% of females work more than 40 hours per week at their job. Okay, uh, here, here's some more. Americans work 137 more hours per year than Japanese workers. And the Japanese are known for their work, right? Okay, uh, we work 260 more hours per year than British workers. And we work 499 more hours per year than French workers. Uh, what, what this has led to as a nation is that we are, I would say, completely driven by workaholism and an identity crisis around our work, okay? We work too much. And that's not saying that work is bad, okay? We will talk about that in other sermons, uh, that, that God gives us work and it is a good thing. But we have taken that and we have idolized it. We have made it an ultimate thing in our society. We work too much. Next, we sleep too little, Can I get an amen? No? Yeah? I mean, everybody agrees, right? That we sleep too little. Uh, Did you know uh, before Thomas Edison invented the light bulb that uh, the average person got 10 hours of sleep each night? Sign me up, right? I don't even know if I could. If I tried really hard, I don't know if I could sleep 10 hours. But I mean, like apparently the sun would just go down and they just like look at each other and be like, what do you want to do? Let's go to bed, right? Like that's, I mean, that's the only thing they had to do. Candlelight and reading, I guess. So they went to sleep. Uh, You ever hear stories about Christians who got up, like Christians of the past who would like get up, they're faithful to get up at 4 a.m. every day to like spend two hours in prayer and in the word before they went out to the fields to plow or something. You ever hear those stories? Not quite as impressive when you're going to bed at six, right? 
10 hours of sleep. You kidding me? Uh, studies show today, and I, I, I mean, it was like the National Sleep Society or I don't know, something I looked up online. They say that adults need at least seven hours of sleep each night to promote optimal health and well-being. Some of you are like, seven hours, man, that's a dream. That's a vacation for me, seven hours of sleep. Uh, but then that study goes on to say that the, in the United States, the national average is 6.8 hours each night which is close to seven, so that's okay. Uh, but what that means, that's an average. So that means that 40%, almost 40% of Americans aren't getting enough sleep to optimally function, okay? We sleep too little. And then the question is, what do, what do we do with all those hours that we're not sleeping? Right? What do we do with that extra time? We're not hitting 10, so what are we doing with that? Well, some of us are working more, so there is that whole, whole working thing, right? We work too much. But for most of us, I would guess, we just settle for distraction. Those extra hours, we just, we settle to be distracted. More stats for you. The average American spends between three to four hours a day on their phone. That's the average, I mean, I'm honest, maybe I'm a little higher than three to four hours. If I'm honest, okay. Uh, in addition, the average American spends another three to four hours a day watching television, okay? Y- y'all realize those two, you add those together, that's a full-time job right there. You go to work and then you work a second job and it's with two screens, sometimes at the same time. It's your second job. One study I read said that 65.6% of people uh, check their phones 160 times a day. Not shocking to me at all. I'd probably do more than that, uh, if I'm honest, okay? Uh, 75.4 of those polled uh, consider themselves addicted to their phones, and 73.4% confess to using their phones while on the toilet. Okay, Uh, look to your right. Look to your left. Okay, now throw up in your mouth a little bit, okay? Because most of them just took their phone to the toilet with them, okay? Uh, Church, we are working too hard. We are sleeping too little. And even when we are at rest, like on days off or after work, we're settling for a distracted life to fill that time. This is a problem. This is a problem, and the Bible gives us something that we can do about it, and it calls it Sabbath. Sabbath, okay? Now, uh, here's what I've learned as I've talked with many of you, okay, including my D group this week. Um, Most of us are confused at best by what the Bible means when it talks about Sabbath. This has been an under-taught-on discipline in the evangelical church. So I consulted a bunch of books on this topic. I've been reading about this for a couple of years. It's kind of been one of those things that's just been, the Lord's been gnawing at me about. And so uh, I read a bunch of books. I do want to recommend one book to you. Uh, It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. This came out last year, a uh, really helpful book. If, I, if, you, if you're going to read one book on Sabbath that's kind of accessible to the masses, I just encourage you towards this book. I think it's really uh, a helpful resource. Uh, but the, what is the Sabbath? That's what we're going to talk about today. What is the Sabbath, okay? Uh, well, we started in Genesis, okay? So Genesis 2 was what was read over us. But back in Genesis 1, the very first words of the Bible, God is creating, 
Hey, God is at work. He's doing his job. He's creating everything that exists. And it says that it, it kind of gives you this rhythm about days. Day one, he creates. Day two, he creates. Day three, day four, day five, day six. He is creating. God is working. We serve a God who works and he works really hard. God is working. But then in Genesis chapter two, we find these words. So look at your text with me. Genesis two, starting in verse one. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So based in that text, I'm going to give us four words about Sabbath today. Kind of help us get our, our minds around what Sabbath is, okay? And the first word is this. Sabbath is about stopping. Stop. This is the first idea, biblically, that comes uh, linked with the idea of Sabbath. Stop. Stop. See, on days one through six, God is at work. He's working hard. He's putting in the hours, but then on the seventh day, he stops. On the seventh day, he pauses. On the seventh day, he shuts everything down and he just stops. And the English word for, uh, that, that, is, that we call Sabbath is actually a Hebrew word called Shabbat. Shabbat, okay? Uh, and the word literally means to stop, to cease. That's what it means. The Sabbath is a day to stop to stop working, to stop wanting, to stop worrying, to, to just stop. Now, uh, one thing that we have to note here about Genesis chapter two and God's Sabbath is that uh, God does not stop on the seventh day because he's tired. Right? He's, not, he's not like worn out after creating all things in six days. He's not like, oh my God, oh my me. Like I just, I can't do any more of this, you know? I just don't have enough energy. I just need to, I need to take a day off. I need a day off. I need a break. I'm just working for the weekend, right? Like that's not God. God doesn't get tired. Okay, God doesn't need a nap. He doesn't need to rest. God is not some stressed out Santa Claus just worried about Christmas being canceled because of the weather. That's not God. He's God. He doesn't stop because he was tired. It actually says he stopped because he was finished. He's not tired, y'all. He's done. That's what it said. Creation was finished on the sixth day. Seriously, if you read Genesis 1, you will notice a rhythm as you read Genesis chapter 1 that he creates and that he creates and that he creates for six days on, six days on, and then on the seventh day, he stopped. He's done. And all I'm saying is he could have kept going. Like if he had wanted to, he could have kept creating, right? He could have created real unicorns. My daughter would have been pumped. She'd been thrilled, right? Horses with things sticking out of their foreheads. That'd be great. He could have done that, but he didn't. He could have created real Wookiees. I'd be thrilled about that, but he didn't. He stopped. I'm saying this because I believe God is setting an example for us of a rhythm. A rhythm built into creation. Listen, if God stopped one day a week, don't you think we ought to consider this practice? 
But here's the pushback. Here's the pushback, right? Hey, I have way too much to do to stop for a day. Yo, God stopped. You busier than he? Listen, fathom, six days we work, one day we stop. In the fabric of creation, hear me, you serve the God who created the weekends. He prayed. Can I get a witness on that? He gave you the weekends in creation. He said, hey, guess what? Six days on, you're going to take a day off. He gave that to you. He gifted that to you. He built that into a rhythm of creation. Work six, stop one. Work six days, stop on the seventh. That's the first word, stop. We stop on our Sabbath. The second word about what Sabbath is, is rest. We rest on Sabbath. The word Shabbat is translated uh, a number of different ways in the Old Testament. Uh, the, the first and most common way it's translated is to stop. Shabbat is translated stop. The second most common way that it is translated is rest. That's what we just read in G- Genesis chapter 2, okay? And God rested. That's the word. That's Shabbat. He Shabbated, okay? He Sabbathed. Shabbat is is most often translated stop, but then it is translated rest, okay? Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but as you read through uh, Genesis chapter one, there's this rhythm, and it's it's been messing with my head. It geeks me out, okay? I hope this geeks you out too. Look at uh, Genesis one, five. I'll put it up on the screen. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Did you see that? That's crazy, (laughs) Okay, uh, uh, Genesis 1.8, look at this. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Can you believe that? That's crazy. You're not seeing this? No? Okay, uh, I don't think you're seeing this. Look at uh, verse 13, Genesis 1.13. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. You see that? That is crazy. Like, I don't know if you're seeing this, but this is crazy stuff. You see, we think about the day in a completely backwards way than God does. Like, here's, here's how I think. I think I wake up in the morning to start my day. I work hard all day long. And then I go to bed that night exhausted the first day. And then I get up again the next morning and I work hard and I go to bed the second day. Like that's how I think it works. But the rhythm God set up is that the new day begins when the sun goes down. And it was evening and it was morning the first day. In the Hebrew mindset, the evening is where we start. We start in the night. We start with rest. We start with sleep. And then there was morning. Does that geek anybody else out? We were created to start our days with rest, not end our days with exhaustion. We were created for this. And then, I I don't know if you saw this, but this thing blew my mind. Okay, on day six, okay, day six, God creates humanity. He creates Adam and Eve, and there's like a rib and a breathing and clay and all this kind of crazy stuff, okay? Day six, God creates humans. He creates us. He gives us jobs to do. He like, what we call the, the creative mandate. He gives us jobs to do. He says, name the animals, cultivate the ground, be fruitful and multiply. Praise the Lord, right? 
That's all before Genesis 2, okay? And then what happens at the very end, Genesis 1, 31, here's the word. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. God creates them. And the very first thing that Adam and Eve do on their first day on earth is they go to bed. The very first thing that we did when we were created is fall asleep. And then they didn't wake up to go to work, right? What's the next day? The next day is the seventh day. It's the Sabbath. Their first full day after being created, sleeping, their first full day on this planet is is a day of rest. We start from a place of rest. And frankly, church, this is a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of the gospel. Here's the question. What did Adam and Eve do on that first day? Nothing. Okay, what did Adam and Eve do to earn their first sleep? Nothing. What did Adam and Eve do to earn their first Sabbath, their first day off? Nothing. Thank you, Cedric. What did we do to earn our salvation? Nothing. It is a free gift of God. So is rest. It's a gift. See, when most of us think of Sabbath, we don't start in Genesis 2. We start in the Ten Commandments. We think of the Ten Commandments, right? But I didn't want to start in the Ten Commandments because I wanted you to see that this is first a principle of creation. It's built into the fabric of how God created the universe. And then later in in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, the big 10, right? The Ten Commandments, that's then when it becomes a rule, like a law, a commandment. Number four, okay? It says this, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, So that's where our minds go, the fourth commandment. So the Sabbath is a command, and it's the only, frankly, command in the the, the Ten Commandments with the word remember attached to it. Okay? You think God may have been aware that we would be prone to forget this one? God doesn't say, hey, hey, remember, don't kill people. Hey, remember, hey, try not to sleep with anybody that's not your spouse. Don't forget that. That's not what he says. But he says, remember the Sabbath. Why? Because, man, I am prone to forget it. I forget it all the time. Actually, this is the only commandment that we brag about breaking. Right? I I don't know if you're on Instagram or Social media, you may have seen these fitness posts, uh, people at the gym posting pictures of themselves at the gym with the hashtag no days off. Hashtag no days off, right? Normally it's a company with a picture of you kind of somehow angling to get the double chin away and there's like a stack of plates behind you and you just, no days off, hashtag no days off, right? I looked online, 6.1 million posts on Instagram tagged hashtag no days off, okay? Uh, we don't brag about breaking any commandment except this one. Even in the hallway, you come down the hallway and talk to me. I say, hey, how are you doing? How's your week? Man, I haven't had a day off in weeks. But man, I've been working hard. Hashtag hustle, right? Like that's hashtag hustle. I looked it up, 25.3 million posts. This is not how God has created us to live. You were not built for hashtag no days off. You weren't created for hashtag hustle. Rest brings strength. Rest brings focus. 
Rest brings clarity. Rest brings engagement. On the Sabbath, we stop and we rest. Third word, we delight. We delight. Back to Genesis 1, there's this refrain after each day that God creates, he says this, and God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good. Every single time he creates plants and God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good. I like that. I I picture him, creates banana trees. You know, bananas, picks one of those things, peels it. Oh man, that's good. Just picture him doing that, right? Creating animals, elephants, lions, wombats. Whoa. That's good. Does anybody even know what a wombat is? He creates people. Do you remember what he says? Oh man, that's very good. I mean, I've already told you this, that in the Hebrew, the word Shabbat can be translated stop and rest, but it's also sometimes translated celebrate or delight. It's this dual idea that you stop and you rest, but also you, you, you delight in God and the life that he has given you in this world. It's a, delight, it's a joy to Sabbath. So just for a second, okay, just join me in this imagination game for a second. What could you do for 24 hours that would fill your soul with delight? Just 24 hours of soul-filling delight. Author uh, Dan Allender writes this about the Sabbath. He says, the Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it's the best day of the week. The Sabbath is the holy time where we feast play, dance, have sex, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in its fullness. Sabbath is how we fill our souls back up with life. We delight. I uh, read one author who calls his practice of Sabbath pleasure stacking which sounds kind of, but like, just stick with me, okay? He just stacks, he says, as many things into his Sabbath day that bring him pleasure. He calls it pleasure stacking. Playing with his kids, going for walks with his wife, eating the very best meals, drinking the very best wine, taking a nap. Oh gosh, right? Sabbath, right? Drinking coffee on the porch until the middle of the day. Just, just Sabbath, pleasure stacking. Sign me up. I'll take that. We stop, we rest, we delight, and fourth, we worship. We worship. In Genesis 2, verse 3, it says God blessed the seventh day. He blessed it and he made it holy. He set it apart. Okay, the Sabbath is a day where you are meant to it's blessed, it's holy. It's, you're meant to connect with your creator. Now, of course, you're, you're meant to connect with God all throughout the week, okay? I'm not saying that is not on the table, but, but dwelling on the love of God for you remains in kind of like a central focus point for our Sabbaths. 
So both in Jewish history and Christian history, throughout history, Sabbath has always included worship with God's people. It's included this, okay? Where we feast on God's presence, where we soak ourselves in the scriptures, where we use our gifts to build up the church. Like church is a part of this. Community is a part of Sabbath. I don't know if I can overemphasize this, but like personal worship and corporate worship, if at all possible, need to be a part of your Sabbath should be a part. So I hope, are are you seeing the importance of this discipline right here? Sabbath, the idea of Sabbathing, okay? Um, Here's an illustration. How many of you are, uh, you'd call yourself an empty tank driver? Okay, uh, empty, uh, yes, no? There are two types of drivers. I don't know if you know this. Uh, There's the fill the tank frequently driver. And then there are those who coast into the gas station on fumes driver, right? Uh, So uh, how many want to guess what kind of driver I am? Yeah? No? Okay. Uh, Listen, I know when that little gas light comes on, I've got 50 miles before I'm on empty. Okay? 75 if I'm headed downhill. Okay? Right? It's like a game to me. How close to empty can I actually get before I coast in and fill up? I used to be an empty tank driver. That all changed six years ago. Okay? Six years ago, uh, this is what happened. I was driving with uh, Marcy... She was pregnant uh, and not like, hey, are you pregnant? But like, dang, are you carrying twins? Like that kind of pregnant, okay? Pregnant, pregnant, like ready to burst pregnant. And then hear me, I, I thought I had more tank in the ga- uh, more, more gas in the tank. Like I, I could have sworn I had a few more miles to go, but we were a few blocks away from our house when the car sputtered and stopped out of gas on the side of the road with a very pregnant wife who was not looking forward to walking the three blocks home in her slippers. Um, Some of you here today, that's where you live. You live with your tank almost on empty. You're coasting on fumes. You're you're boiling over. You're, You're flipping out. You're angry. You're disconnected. And I think it might be because you live on empty. And hear me, you will eventually run out and you'll find yourself on the side of a road with an an angry pregnant woman. It'll come back to bite you. You cannot live on empty forever. This is where I found myself two years ago. Okay, a couple years ago, I found myself out of gas. I was on this spiritual burnout, spiraling out of control. I found myself without any gas in the tank. And I'll tell you, it's not where I had planned to get to. I hadn't intended to get there, but I found myself there. And one of the disciplines that has been the most impactful on my path of recovery has been the practice of Sabbath. This practice of one day in seven, an intentional 24 hours to stop rest, delight, and worship. And listen, I know y'all. I know our church. You are type A. You wouldn't be here if you didn't like things organized, tight, lists, A, B, C, three-point sermons. Like you would not be here. I know you. I know your work ethic. And we are very susceptible to forgetting the Sabbath. This is why God says, remember it. So I'm gonna say this to us. The Sabbath will never happen by default. It will only happen by design. It's unlikely that you will just default into a true life-giving Sabbath, but it's something that you must design 
You must design your Sabbath. So that's kind of what it is. How do we do this? How do we actually design our Sabbath? When we speak of this rest, um, how, how do we do this? Well, the, the writer of Hebrews talks a little bit about uh, the, the, the idea of Sabbath and rest. And, and the writer says this, make every effort to enter that rest. That's what he says. That sounds like juxtaposing ideas, right? Make every effort to enter into the rest right? So we are to work hard in order to rest well. You got to work hard to rest well. So here's the challenge. We had the challenge last week to read the scriptures. The challenge this week, uh, we created this, the design your Sabbath sheet. Woo. Right? Like that? Fathomchurch.org slash disciplines. Go download this. And this is a a worksheet that we've created to help you design your Sabbath around these four ideas, these four ideas of stopping, of resting, of delighting, and of worshiping. And so here's what you do. You take this, download it, print it out, whatever it might be. uh, And then notice that under those four headings, there's some lines. You need to write things that you should stop or start doing on your Sabbath based upon those categories. So here's uh, some examples, okay? Under stop, you want to write out things that you cannot do on your Sabbath. Okay, this will look different for each of us. So for me, here's, what, here's a few of mine, okay? Uh, on my Sabbath, I have to stop checking my email. I got to stop being on social media for, for 24 hours. I probably should do it more, but like I need one day off from that craziness, okay? Actually, there's probably a whole thing. I just need to stop using my phone for a whole day. That's really the idea there, okay? I can't do any sort of church work on the Sabbath. Plus, I can't do other things like chores. I call this the work that I don't get paid to do, right? We all have this. We have work we get paid to do and then work that we don't get paid to do. So my weekend actually is Friday, Saturday, okay? My weekend is Friday, Saturday because y'all, I'm not closed on Sundays. I don't pull a Chick-fil-A, all right? I'm open on Sundays, right? I, right now, I'm open for business. Did you know that? Today's my Monday. It's not Sunday for me. It's Monday for me, okay? That's how I work. I work Sunday through Thursday. So my family has chosen to Sabbath on Saturday. So here's what I do. I've got Friday, Saturday is my weekend. Friday is the day I do all the work that I don't get paid to do, okay? That's where I do yard work, laundry, cleaning, running errands. God forbid, going to the grocery store. Worst part of my week, right? King Supers, that's it. These are all on my stop list. They're on my stop list. Things I have to stop on my Sabbath. Okay, under rest, the next category, under rest. Uh, This is where you write things that are restful for you. Okay, this is gonna differ depending on your personality. What are the things that bring you rest? Okay, Uh, I heard Matt Chandler say uh, that if you work all week with your hands, some sort of labor job or something, uh, you will likely rest with your head, with your mind. But if you work all week with your mind, then you will likely rest with your hands. Okay, that's really, I think, helpful because I'm that second category, right? Like all week, I'm thinking and writing and leading and emailing and it's like screen after screen after screen after screen. I'm always in my head and I need my brain to rest. So I, I, I Sabbath a little bit more actively, 
right? Like I like to walk and I like to bike and I like to run and I like to move, I like to play with my daughter in the backyard. Like I like to do things on my Sabbath. It's not against doing things, it's finding those things that are restful for you on your Sabbath. I need to rest my mind. Maybe you work all week with your hands and you need to rest by actually just vegging out a little bit, reading a book, watching a movie, I don't know. Under delight, okay, under that category, you need to write things that bring you pleasure. Remember pleasure stacking. Like the, this, is the, this is the good things, good food, right? You're not eating to survive on Sabbath. You're eating, you're feasting, right? Good food, good friends, being in nature, a good book, a good movie, listening to good music. I don't know what it is for you, but, like, but you, you, whatever brings you joy, whatever delights you, whatever fills you up, fill your Sabbath with those things. And then worship, so I'll just say this. I think that if you can, you should Sabbath on Sundays. If you can. Okay, if I didn't work for the church, that's the day that I would Sabbath. It'd be Sunday because I think coming to church should be a part of your family's Sabbath routine, gathering with God's people, hearing God's word, worshiping together, taking communion, serving the body. Like this is meant to be a part of your Sabbath routine. Does this mean that you have to Sabbath on Sundays? Does it have to be on a specific day? Well, I think, like I said, I think it makes sense for many that Sunday could be a day for Sabbath, but maybe you work on Sundays, okay? So you're just gonna have to Sabbath on another day. That's perfect, okay? Romans 14 gives us permission to determine what day we think is holy, okay? Paul gives us that ability. So remember, Sabbath is a practice before it's a command. It's a rhythm of creation before God says, number four, remember the Sabbath, so please, let us not be a church that gets caught up in petty arguments about what day it is, okay? Don't send me any emails today or th- this week about like, well, Sabbath is on a Saturday, right? So it should be on Saturday. Frankly, you're right. The Sabbath, is, okay, technically, technically, the Sabbath is Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. That's technically what the Sabbath historically is. And then Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday. And so Jewish Christians were like, hey, we should start worshiping on Sundays. They didn't call that the Sabbath. They called that the Lord's day. So technically Sabbath is Friday night to Saturday night, but the principle is what I want you to get your heads around, okay? Christians have moved that primarily to Sundays. But listen, if you want to enter that argument, you're missing the point. The point isn't what day is it? The point is... We got to stop. We got to rest. We got to delight and we got to worship one day out of seven. Follow that rhythm. Six on, one off. So hear me, download this sheet, okay? Download the design your Sabbath sheet. I'm challenging you this week, fathomchurch.org slash disciplines, download it, okay? And fill it out and then practice it. Try to Sabbath this week. Now, let me give you this last word before we close up. Uh, Sabbath will take you some time to master. Don't think that you can just do it next Sunday and it's going to be like, awesome. The whole day was just pleasure upon pleasure. Okay? Uh, Shabbat, uh, when we find it in Genesis chapter two, the first time, it's a verb. It's a verb. It's an action word. You Sabbath. I am going to Sabbath. 
and then it becomes a noun later, but it starts as a verb. It's something that you have to do. It's something that you have to practice. Like we said last week, it's something that you have to train yourself in. You got to train yourself in Sabbathing. It is so countercultural not to produce, not to work, not to waste an entire day binging Netflix. That's countercultural. It might take you a while to dial this thing in. And hear me, that's okay. The first few Sabbaths, man, I was just like a train wreck. Like I started taking these Sabbaths, these intentional stopping days. I started practicing these more, more, more uh, formally last year. And I found myself restless, like 10 a.m. sitting on the couch, like, what are we going to do? What am I going to do for the rest of the day? I've got six more hours of Sabbath. I hate this, right? I felt like I needed to do something. I, hear me, I didn't even realize how wrapped up my life was in producing and working, even not just work for the church, but work in general. I just needed to, I felt like I wasn't doing anything. That was the whole point. But I couldn't rest there. And then as I practiced it more, a couple weeks in, something started to happen. Like about halfway through the day, I found my, like, it was like my soul caught up with my body. And I wasn't fidgety and I wasn't, Restless, but I felt like, like this deep exhale. I felt free. And I was like, oh, this is rest. This will be a challenge. That's why I'm challenging you in this. This will be a challenge for us, church. I'm challenging you to train in Sabbathing for the next five weeks, okay? Just for the next five weeks, for the rest of this sermon series. We said six weeks of Bible reading. We're gonna do five weeks of Sabbathing. If you take this challenge up and you hate it after five weeks and you don't feel like it's life-giving after five weeks and you haven't felt any benefit to actually stopping, resting, delighting, and worshiping in, in, in five weeks of trying this, and I mean really trying this, you get your money back, okay? I'll give you all your money back that you've given me today. Okay. That's, uh, let's just see. Let's just see if this practice doesn't take us deeper with Jesus. It's changed me church. It's changed me. So let me end with these words. I want to read these words from uh, the gospel of Matthew, but these are actually from uh, Eugene Peterson's uh, the message uh, paraphrase, which I think is just a beautifully written uh, paraphrase of the, the scriptures. This is from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Are you tired? Yeah. You worn out? Mm-hmm. Burned out on religion? Yeah, I think so. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Freely and lightly. Sounds good. Sign me up for that. Sabbath is the gift to get us there. Let's pray together.
Lord, we do bless you today. We're thankful for the gift of the Sabbath. Lord, the, Jesus says in the gospels that, that man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. It's like, it's like saying that it's a gift for us, a free gift of grace, a, a, an offering to us of, of a day where we just get to stop and, and slow down and shut off and rest and refresh and calm down and then to celebrate and delight and, and take in and worship and praise. And I want that more for me. I want that more for us. That those six days we put in the effort, we work hard, we get to join you on your mission to redeem and reconcile all things unto yourself. But then on that seventh day, we remember that, that, that you can do far more with six days than we could ever do on our own with seven. God, I need help with this. We need help with this. I pray that you would give us fortitude and, and discipline to practice this, to train in this over the next month and a half. Lord, Lord, use this, I think, to, to show us our deep need and our deep gratitude to you. We love you, Father. Take this information and bring it down south into our hearts and transform us by it. We pray these things in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit.